0: Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students podcast. The world is full of lies. We are constantly lied to about what to value, what to look like, where to place our identity, and much more. Where can we turn for hope in the midst of such lies? Jesus models how to fight back against the lies in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning once again, guys. We are in week four of our hope series. You thought we were done just because of spring break? Nope, that's not true. We are going to keep going through this Hope Series until uh, after Easter. So Palm Sunday will be our last one. we got a couple more weeks. And uh, if you haven't been with us, or maybe you just need a refresher, uh, the first week we kind of talked about like a biblical definition of hope. And remember we said that biblical hope is more, uh, it's not like wishful thinking. It's not like, man, I hope that I get this for Christmas or for my birthday, or uh, I hope that our family chooses to go on this vacation or that vacation, or I hope that this guy or girl likes me uh, like I like them. It, it's, it's not like that. That's kind of wishful thinking, right? Like we're not sure that it's going to happen, but we certainly hope that it does happen. And then we would be overjoyed if it did. Uh, but biblical hope is more about waiting than it is wishful thinking. It is is certain. It will happen. It's a lot like spring break that you just experienced or uh, summer break that all of us uh, or all of you will experience in just a couple of months. Like it is going to happen. It is set in stone. Hopefully you're not just hoping that you get summer break, uh, but it, it is actually going to happen. And this is the case with biblical hope as well. We are waiting on and putting our hope in the Lord, knowing that he will show up. He will do something, even if it isn't in our time, and typically it's not. It's in God's time, and so even if he doesn't do anything until the next life when we are experiencing the fullness of of his glory, when we are in eternity, experiencing eternity with him, even if he doesn't take care of it until then, he will come through. He will take care of it, and that's part of the waiting kind of hope, not the wishful thinking kind of hope. After that, we talked about hope for healing, like what do you do when you are maybe dealing with some sickness or some uh, physical ailment, or maybe it's not you you, but it's someone in your family. Where's the the hope in the middle of that? If you uh, have experienced that or you're going through it right now, um, you may want to go back and listen to that message. And then two weeks ago, we talked about anxiety. Many of us struggle with mental battles, things like anxiety or depression or uh, really anything that you can put in that category. Where's the hope for those situations? We talked about that uh, just a couple weeks ago. Again, you can go back and listen to that message or watch it on YouTube. Today, we are going to be... In uh, Matthew chapter four, if you wanna go ahead and turn in your Bibles, we'll get there in a couple minutes. And we are going to talk about hope in the midst of lies hope in the midst of lies. And here's the kind of lies that we are not talking about this morning, okay? It's the kind of lies that I'm trying to help my sons understand what's happening when they are telling lies, right? Which for my two-year-old Samuel, it's like, hey, did, buddy, did you, you know, did you put that trash on the floor or whatever? And he's like, no, right? It's, it's really cute. Even though we knew that he did put the trash on the floor, it's kind of cute. I, I don't know. It's like we almost lift up the lie because we giggle and we give him a hug and say, no, buddy, but you did it. Uh, you're a liar, right? But uh, for my four-year-old, it's a little a little bit different. We're, we can't help the two-year-old so much understand, even though we're trying. But the four-year-old, we're, we're really trying to help them understand, hey, buddy, we tell the truth. We don't lie, uh, even if we think it's going to get us in trouble. So if it's like, hey, Owen, or someone has to call him Bubba, or sometimes has to call him Obear, or whatever the, the nickname of the day is, like, hey, buddy, um, did you hit Samuel? Like, he's got, he's got like a black eye, and he's crying, and he says that you did it. That's not actually the case. This is like over-exaggerated, okay? Uh, although Owen's left some bruises before. And Owen's like, no, I didn't do it. And it's clear, like nobody else was in the room. Samuel is saying he has the capability as a two-year-old to say, Bubba did this to me. He hit me or he threw that toy at me or whatever. Like, no, Owen, we're not going to lie. Go to timeout, right? <laughs> we're we're going to tell the truth even when it gets us in trouble. Those are not the kind of lies we're talking about. So we're not talking about, are you a liar or not, right? Here, here's the kind of lies that we are talking about today it's lies that all of us experience we we hear uh, we are tempted by on a a daily on a regular basis it's it's things like this hey you're never going to amount to much like you're not good in this subject or that subject you're not a good athlete you're not a good musician you have no worth have you ever felt that or been been told that lie what do you do when you're struggling with that lie or maybe something that goes right along with it, like, hey, you're never gonna have any close friends, you're always gonna be lonely. That's just who you are. You're just a loner. Or you're just gonna be alone. Or or maybe it has to do with your appearance. Like, hey, you don't look like this, or you're not that tall, or you're not that strong, and so you will never amount to much putting your worth in your, your looks, your physical appearance. Or maybe it's something like this: it, it's this lie that says, hey, well. If, if I just, I kind of know where the sin line is, and if I just get really close to the sin line, and maybe if I just put like a little pinky toe or pinky finger across it, it's not that bad, right? Just a little bit of sin can't be that bad. Like, God will understand, God will forgive me, or I'll sin today and I'll get back on the Christian track tomorrow. I mean, after all, if it, if, it's, if it feels good, if it looks good, then it might actually be good for me, Right? Or maybe for you, you're tempted by things where, where, hey, like, I know that you were born a certain way. Like, you were born looking this way and, and having this, this wiring and all this stuff. But, but you've heard, like, hey, no, actually, if you feel different than how you were born, then maybe you can actually be that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's, there's a ton of cultural lies. And, and this is one of the biggest ones in our day and age is telling you that you can just decide who you are just based on your feelings. Have you ever been tempted to believe that lie? There are many, many more. We could keep going down the track. Things like hey, life is all about money, or life is all about popularity. Or life is all about whatever, insert the blank, is for you. And we are tempted by these lies all the time, and they are everywhere around us. They're on billboards, they're on TikTok and Instagram, they're on TV, they're on YouTube, they're in the most recent Netflix show that you've probably watched. It's all these lies telling you, hey, here's what life's about, here's what you should be all about, here is essentially a God for you to worship, sometimes even to the point where that God is yourself. Just do what you want for yourself. Get what you want for yourself. Ultimately, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, ultimately all of the lies that the world is throwing at us, they're really going after one thing. Some of them are from the world. Some of them are from the enemy directly. They're going after your identity. It's like, hey, instead of putting your identity in God, again, we're going to talk about this more in, as we go through Matthew 4, what would happen if you put your identity in all of these things? So what do you do in the midst of those lies? Like all of us uh, have have probably felt these or heard these or thought about these at some point in our lives. What are we supposed to do in the midst of all these lies that are regularly thrown at us? Is there hope? What's the hope in the midst? The simple answer is this. We fight lies with the truth. We fight the lies of this world with the truth of who God is and what he says. What he says about us, what he says about life, And specifically what we read from the scriptures, from his word, from the truth. This is what we use to fight the lies of the world. So before we step into Matthew chapter 4, let me ask you a couple questions. These are all like rhetorical. That's the right word, right? When you don't have to give an answer out loud. The first question is this. What lies have you heard around you lately? Like, have you heard any of the lies that I I described today? Like, what, what lies do you see out there in the world? The second question is this, what lies are you tempted by? Like when you hear them, you're like, oh man, that actually kind of sounds good. And the lie that you're tempted by is likely different from the lie that your neighbor's tempted by. Maybe you have some of the same ones, but what lies are you tempted by? Number three, the third and final question before we step into Matthew 4 is this, what lies right now are you believing and living in? What lies are you believing And living in right now. And this last one, I know it's hard. I know it can be like painful, like heart pricking, but it's not, it's not to shame you. It's not to guilt trip you, but it's to try to get you already thinking like, Hey, what, what lies have I been deceived by? What am I living in? Sometimes these are the, 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 these same lies are the things that cause you the most anxiety, the most stress. They cause you to uh, live different and, and start to look different than maybe, you know, to be right. You know, to be the truth. And it's good to be able to identify when you have started living into these lies. So what are you seeing around you? What are you tempted by? And what are you maybe already believing? Let's jump into Matthew chapter 4 and see how Jesus is tempted a few different times, actually by, directly by the devil, directly by the enemy. And we're going to see how he responds by fighting the lies with the truth. This is Matthew chapter 4. If you've already brought your Bibles, I am very proud of you. I'm thankful that you are starting to bring your paper Bibles. I'm going to keep pushing that. And in fact, after Easter, the series we're going to be in is really going to require you to bring your Bibles. And so maybe go ahead and start doing that uh, over the next few weeks. Um, Right before this chapter, chapter 4, in uh, chapter 3... Jesus is actually baptized by John the Baptist. We were talking about baptism a little earlier, how you can sign up for our baptism class. And Jesus was baptized himself. That's one of the reasons that we get baptized like 2,000 years later, because Jesus led the way for that. He was actually baptized again by John the Baptist. Can you imagine being the guy or girl who got to baptize Jesus? Well, that was John the Baptist, okay? Like God in the flesh, God in a bod, like you get to baptize that guy while he's here on earth. That's pretty wild. Uh, Something that was different when Jesus was baptized compared to us uh, was a pretty major thing. Like after Jesus was baptized, God comes on the megaphone, right? Like, hey, is this thing on? And he says, hey, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Like loud. Everybody can hear it who is around in the area. Jesus himself certainly heard it. John the Baptist heard it. And the people who were... Watching got to hear it. I mean, some of us are scared of thunder, right? Okay, no shame, no shame. Might be you. My kids, last night, they started screaming because they heard a plane. We were like, we hear planes literally every day, okay? Don't, this is nothing new. Uh, But can you imagine like a huge voice coming from the heavens? And, and saying anything. It doesn't even matter what it says. If a voice from the heavens comes like, I just wet myself, okay? Like, it's, it's done, and I didn't wet myself because I was baptized, right? You know what I'm saying? So this, this would have been kind of crazy, kind of wild, kind of scary, but it is huge affirmation. This is who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. Make no mistakes, all right? So right after that, comes Matthew chapter four, Jesus goes out into the wilderness, right Jackson, right Harrison? He goes into the wilderness and is actually, we're going to find out he's led by the spirit to do that. Let's, let's go ahead and read verse one. I'm already basically reading it. It says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit, by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It's kind of crazy. That last part, to be tempted by the devil. Here's what, a little bit of what we need to no, know. We can't spend too much time here, but I think it's an important statement The Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness, into like the nothingness, okay, of of that time. And he's going to be there, we're going to find out, for 40 days and 40 nights. And he is led. He's not just like, hey, I think I'm going to go into the woods for a while, right? I think I'm going to go into the wilderness for a while. That sounds like a nice vacation for 40 days. No, but he is led by the Spirit and the Holy Spirit, God, knows that when Jesus is there, he will be tempted by the devil. Why is this important? Because sometimes, I I can answer it, Jackson. Thank you. Sometimes, here's what we think about God, is we think that the things that God's going to call us to step into ought to be safe and comfortable, and that we know exactly what we're getting ourselves into. And and if it's anything else, if it's like, no, 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 I might be uncomfortable talking to that person, or I might be uncomfortable serving in that way, or that's going to require me to give something up, a lot of us think, well, maybe that's just not from God. One of my favorite quotes, and I, I, I can never remember which way it goes. I need to look it up. Uh, but it's in the Chronicles of Narnia, and it's talking about God. Actually, it's talking about Aslan, who is this huge lion. If you've ever read the Chronicles of Narnia or seen the movies, there's this lion who represents God, and his name is Aslan, right? And, uh, and one thing that they say about Aslan is that he's not always safe, but he is good, That sometimes with Aslan, you get into some trouble. You get into some uncomfortable situations. You get into some scary moments. And the same thing is true with God. God might call you to step out into something scary. Step out into something unsafe. Step out into something uncertain. But he will always be with you in that. And he is always good, even in the midst of that hard or scary or uncomfortable situation. And he's with Jesus in the same way. Remember, we said the Spirit's the one who led Jesus. So don't confuse the two. just because something looks scary and unsafe, but you know that God's calling you to do it, to say that thing or to do that thing or to whatever it might be, God might be calling you into that because it's in the uncomfortable. It's in the scary. It's those places where we lean into him a little bit more, lean less into ourselves. And he actually uses those situations to grow us. So somebody came up to me after first service and said, I'm glad you actually talked about that. I wasn't going to talk about this morning. Uh, And so maybe somebody need to hear that. In this service as well. We continue. Verse two, so Jesus is going in there. Verse two, we find out after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Everybody say, nah, duh. Right? This might be one of the most obvious verses in all of the Bible. If it was 40 days and 40 nights of me not eating, first off, I'd look drastically different than what I looked like before, okay? Uh, I have not gone four minutes without eating in my life, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but Jesus is hungry after this. Of course. So here's something we also need to know with this fasting thing, right? Is typically when people are fasting in the scripture, typically when people are fasting in today's day and age, they're doing it in a way that, that they're going to draw close to God. They want to hear from him. They don't want there to be any distractions. Normally when you are fasting and you feel like you are hungry, you take that moment to God and you, and you pray and you talk to him and you be with him. And that's part of what Jesus is doing surely in this 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. So he's hungry. Maybe even hangry, although I don't know if that could be said about Jesus. I don't know. Well, I'll have to think about that. Uh, in verse 3, you guys know what hangry means, like when you're angry because you're so hungry, right? Some of you are like, yeah, I feel that right now, brother. <laughs> I'm, about to eat, I'm about to eat that podium. I'm so hungry. All right, here we go. Uh, verse 3, here comes the devil. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Right? So here's Jesus's first temptation. Some of us have heard like, hey, Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, but you may not really understand what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, here's one of the ways that it looks. Jesus was actually tempted specifically by the devil, the tempter, as he's titled in this uh, this verse three. And Satan comes to him and says, hey, you're so hungry, maybe even borderline hangry. Jesus, how about you take things into your own hands? How about you use your power and turn those stones into loaves of bread? Wouldn't that be satisfying? Wouldn't that be good? But but the devil, I've kind of already said it. Here's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get Jesus, who was relying on God, who led him into the desert, who was relying on God, who had already sustained him for 40 days and 40 nights without food. He was relying on God every step of the way, every stomach growl of the way. It wasn't like Jesus' stomach just never did anything during that 40 days, 40 nights. I'm sure that he was hungry. But Satan's trying to convince him, hey, don't rely on God. You could just do it yourself, right? This is a lie. This is a twist. This is a turn. This is Satan tempting Jesus. And how does Jesus respond to it? How does he fight this first lie? But he answered in verse 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus responds with truth to fight the lie. It says, hey, Uh Uh-uh, you must not understand who my father is. But he takes care of me in more than just a physical bread kind of way, but he's giving me a deeper satisfaction, a deeper nourishment, a deeper fulfilling than even physical bread can. And I've relied on him to this point. What's going to stop me now? So Satan says, dang it, right? No, he doesn't, but, well, maybe in his mind. Uh, But verse five says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, said to Jesus, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So he brings Jesus up to a temple, up to the highest point of the temple, and says, hey, look down there. You know, what would be a really cool stunt right now. A cool trick for you is if you just threw yourself down because aren't the angels going to save you? Like, isn't that what the scripture says? So Satan, Satan says, okay, you're going to fight me, Jesus, with scripture, with the word of God, with, with this truth. Well, now here's what Satan steps in and does. He takes a moment to twist and turn the truth of God's word and says, well, like, hey, you can just use that to your advantage, right? You can do all kinds of cool stuff. Again, kind of like take things in your own hands. How about, you just, how about you just throw yourself off this temple? Won't the angels save you? Or do you not? some calm down. <laughs> or do you not believe that the angels will actually catch you? Do you not believe that God's word is true? He's trying to get him to question God's word. He's twisting his word. Doesn't that sound familiar? It's something that we heard in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, where the serpent twists God's word in a way that makes Adam and Eve question. And he's doing that with Jesus. Okay, if that's really what the word says, then you can just throw yourself off of anything and won't God's angels catch you. But Jesus, to this lie, he does much the same as he did to the first. He fights it with truth. He fights it with the word. He fights it with scripture. Jesus said to him in verse seven, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil's like, well, darn, right? Like, I guess I can't get him. And he throws what I think is, is almost the silliest uh, one as his like last ditch effort. I and mean, we're going to find out in a why uh, why in a minute, but, but he does it anyway. Let's see what it is. Verse eight says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Here's the reason I think it's silly. Like Jesus is has already shown like, nope, God's the one who's going to sustain me. Nope, it's his word that I rely on. Nope, he's not a God to be tested. Nope, you can't twist scripture like this. And yet the devil's like last-ditch effort is like, hey, maybe if I show him some really cool stuff, then he'll worship me. Like this seems kind of weird, kind of crazy, but it's, it's this last temptation that we see in the wilderness. And basically he takes Jesus up to a high mountain and says, hey, all the kingdoms of the world I will give to you. All you got to do to make that happen is bow down and worship me. Like, you can have anything that you want. You can have all the riches. You can have all the kingdom. You can have all the power and authority over, the, over this world. I'll just give it to you. You can do whatever you want with it. You can just have your way with the world. It'll be awesome. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. And Jesus fights this lie with the truth again. Verse 10 says, Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Each step of the way, a lie is presented, and Jesus combats the lie, fights the lie with the truth of God's word. What he said, what he's called Jesus into. And every time, he's actually doing word-for-word word scripture. You know, one of the reasons that we invite you guys over and over again, hey, what would it look like to read your Bibles on a regular basis? What would it look like to, to go through some sort, of, uh, some sort of like study pattern or whatever? Like, choose a book of the Bible and make your way through it uh, in, in some sort of order. Part, partly, like, it, it's this. We want you to know God's word so that when you encounter the lies, you'll actually know what the truth is. And Jesus clearly knew that. So maybe you can relate to some of these temptations, right? Not exactly like, I hope that your parents have never found you in the yard, like trying to turn some stones into loaves of bread, right? Like, just staring at some rocks and your parents come outside. Oh, she's doing it again, right? <laughs> she's trying to make those rocks become bread. That's, that's not really the temptation for us, right? But a temptation for us in the real world is, hey, how about You know, it doesn't really seem like God's showing up for you right now. What if you just take control of that thing for yourself? What if you just try to make it work? What if you just try to fix it? What if you just step in and use all of your power? You're so powerful, right? But oftentimes we really do feel that way. That's a temptation for us. Maybe we're not tempted to throw ourselves off of high places and watch angels catch us, right? But we surely are tempted by like a little twist of God's word. Like, well, did God really say that? Or did he really mean that? Or maybe one of the most common is, hey, I know that this thing's a sin, but God doesn't seem to give like a clear line for when it becomes sin and when it's not sin. So if I just kind of teeter on the line, maybe I'll be fine. Twisting God's word. Manipulating God's word, we're all tempted by it. And maybe this last one, we're not tempted specifically to worship the devil. Although although maybe some, and, and we actually do know that people in our world do worship the devil. But aren't we tempted to worship anything and everything else? And in some sense, whether you realize it or not, It is a black and white, either you're worshiping God, either you're part of God's kingdom, or you have given yourself over to the enemy, and you are a part of his kingdom. But we're tempted to worship money. We're tempted to worship popularity. We're tempted to worship ourselves. We're tempted to worship a guy or girl where quickly our life becomes about, hey, how can I impress them? How can I make sure they notice me? How can I do things in a way that will ensure that they like me? We I mean, it may not be tempted outright to worship the devil, but we are very much tempted to worship and make other things that aren't God our God. Or maybe, I think it's the biggest temptation for us all. In fact, I think it's the underlying temptation of all things. It's something that I already mentioned earlier. It's this temptation that we all have to put our identity in something else that isn't God. And this is actually, in a lot of ways, the temptation that the devil is presenting here. In fact, if you look at the first two temptations, as he intros them, he says, Hey, if you are the Son of God, if you really are God's Son, if you really are the Messiah, it's almost like that's implied with the third temptation as well. If, Jesus, you are the Son of God, or are you? Maybe you're not. Or maybe you could actually choose to be something different. It's this temptation to place Jesus's identity, and it's a very real temptation for us to place our identity in something or someone that isn't or who isn't God. We experience that every day. So what do we do? How do we fight these lies? Well, we need to know the truth. We need to know Scripture. And I think one of the best ways we can do this, it's a little thing that I like to call, and I've I didn't come up with this. People have been saying this for a while. It's this idea of preaching the gospel to ourselves. We need to preach truth. We need to preach Jesus to ourselves every day on a regular basis so that we can properly fight the lies. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. One of them is just reading your Bible. Another is coming up with maybe something like this. I'm going to show you in a minute. It's, it's this little... Um, this little like formula. Go ahead and put this statement up there. It goes, I am not blank. And you guys are actually going to do this in your small group. This is one way to preach the gospel to yourself, to remind you of where your identity is, to remind you of who God is, to remind you of whose you are as a child of God. I am not blank. It could be I am not a slave to sin. I am not whatever the, the big struggle is for you, whatever the lie is that you are most tempted to believe. I am not that thing I am, the next part of it, I am. If it's I'm not a slave to sin, it would be I am free from sin. Because of what? Because of what God's done, because of who God is, because of what God says. I am not a slave to sin. I am free from sin because of what Jesus has done on the cross for me. In fact, I've got a a couple of examples here. Give them the three examples. old tech team back there. The first one says uh, pretty much what I just said. I'm not trapped in my sin. I'm free because Jesus set me free from sin on the cross. I'm not insignificant. I'm significant because God knows me and loves me. I'm not alone. I'm with God because the Holy Spirit is with me. These are all I am and I am not statements. I am not blank, whatever the lie is that you're tempted to believe. I am blank, whatever the truth is, because of who God is, of what he's done, of what Jesus has done on the cross for me. These are little, simple ways for us to preach the truth to ourselves, for us to preach the gospel to ourselves, for us to be reminded of what's true so that when we encounter, it's not an if, but it's a when we encounter the lies of this world and the lies of the enemy, we will have something to punch back with, something to fight back with, something to answer the lies so that there might be hope in the midst of the lies that we hear All around us. We're going to get to do that in your small groups. In each small group, there's cups on the wall if you're in the standard small group rooms that have. some of those little papers in there, some some tiny strips of paper, enough room to write one of these and maybe one on the back. Uh, you can use as many strips of paper as you want. There's also pens in there. If you're in the auditorium, there's some pens and paper on either side of the stage in here. And if you're across the sky bridge, there's some in your room as well. If you don't have pen or paper, obviously ask us for it. But that's part of what we're going to do in our small groups. And the intent is not for you to leave those, but for you to take those with you so that you have them and are reminded of these truths as you go about your days and your weeks ahead. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much that you haven't left us empty-handed when it comes to the lies of this world. Some of us right now, there's there's a clear lie that we are struggling with that maybe we even are believing that we need something to fight with. We need your truth. We need the truth. We need the gospel to fight back against these lies. Thank you, Jesus, for modeling what that looks like. May we follow in your example, fighting lies with truth. It's in your name, in the name of Jesus, that we pray. Amen.